Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody where what you say and what they hear are two totally different things? What if we could cut down on the confusion and understand what people are hearing from what we're saying? Hey, we'll talk about that today on this episode of the Unmasked Life Podcast. Welcome to the Unmasked Life Podcast, a podcast to help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential. And now your host, Matt Manny. Hey, this is Matt Manny. Thanks so much for listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. This is episode number three, how to make your relationships great again. Today, we're going to be looking at the four keys to strengthen, grow, and endure in your relationships. The last episode, we talked about how to better understand ourselves, our personality, but it doesn't just stop there. The next step is to understand and really be able to uh, to take apart and deconstruct what does it mean to be able to relate to other people. It's one thing to know ourselves, but it's a whole other ballgame to take some of the tips and tricks and some of the keys we learned from the last episode about personalities, and then to be able to apply them to understanding and relating to other people. The truth is, you and I both know life would be great if we didn't have to deal with people. But the honest reality of it is that people are going to be so much a part of our lives, our relationships, whether it's our family, our friends, or our coworkers, unless we want to go ahead and be isolated and just move out to the middle of nowhere, we're going to have to deal with people. As a pastor, one of the greatest things that I counsel with is normally a, a two different relationships constantly come up. One is the marriage relationship, constantly uh, dealing with situations and issues. He said, she said, people looking for help when how do I deal with my spouse when we don't see eye to eye or when we don't get along? The second relationship that I've talked to people and constantly has come back as uh, really is an issue that people want to get help and, and insight on is that of their relationship to their parents, a specifically relationship to their dad. And a lot of the situations, um, whether it's been counseling or dealing with friends that I've talked to people, it's come back to this issue, their dad really had a, a profound impact, whether he was there and present physically or absent, or maybe their parents divorced or passed away, but constantly people's uh, viewpoint, perspective in life, frame of mind, how they see life, how they see themselves, how they see their relationships in God, there's so much that that relationship or the lack of relationship from their dad had as an impact on them. So with this episode, as I mentioned last time, we're going to really jump in and really hit this key area of how do we relate to other people. So the whole point of this podcast, as we're getting things underway, uh, we've said it's all about leveraging your past, fulfilling your purpose, and unmasking your potential in these three areas of life, understanding yourself and understanding your relationships, and then understanding your relationship and connection to Jesus Christ. And so we're going to hit that second area today as we look at how to make your relationships healthy, how to make them great. Once again, maybe you start off doing well with friends or start off good in a workplace, but to be able to understand what went wrong and to be able to deconstruct that whole process and say, okay, how can we get back to where we used to be? And why did things go off the rails? Why did this relationship all of a sudden now are we having problems? We're going to take some of the principles we learned from this last episode, episode number two, Pull some of those in. We're going to talk about some of the same uh, factors. If you haven't listened to episode number two, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that at some point because we'll be pulling a lot uh, from that as far as the some of these concepts we're going to be talking about here on this episode today. We're going to look at, with this uh, making relationships, there's four uh, key 
areas, four key areas that we're going to look at. The first area is that of understanding how uh, the different personalities, the four different personalities, want to be related to in your life. So this is you in your shoes. How do you deal with the outward? We're not looking at the inward, but we're looking at the outward. How do you deal with people outwardly? And then we're going to look at the second area is to identify how we naturally want to treat these people. They treat us a certain way because they want something from us. And that's the first area is to find out what they want. And the second area is we're going to see is how do we normally, how do we want to treat them? It just comes naturally. The third area we're going to look at is realizing that in those relationships where there's a struggle, if you're in a workplace or in a marriage relationship or dating relationship, or it's a family relationship, you can't change your parents or your siblings. But in relationships, this third area is what we'll settle for. And this is where this is kind of like the mediocre ground where it's really a a seedbed for where a lot of the problems really come from because we're not moving forward, we're not going backward, we're really just putting up with people, we're just really existing, coexisting together in these mediocre just uh, relationships. And so we'll see what we settle for. And this is really a place that we plateau, where we get stuck, and where things don't really go forward, and we'll see how uh, the, the, the signs that identify where we get stuck and what we settle for. Then the fourth area is the, the ultimate, the reality of these relationships. If they are not cared for and cultivated, if we don't get healthy and we don't understand uh, how to make them work properly, this is the, the fallout, basically, of unhealthy relationships. And so we're going to go from uh, each key area, work through, and then realize they come full circle back to how do we then really handle those relationships to the four powerful personalities that we talked about previously. So we'll jump off. How do, uh, first area, how do people want to be treated from you uh, to them in their life? How do people want to be treated? I mentioned this before, and I don't know that I really uh, finished off this this whole thought in a previous episode uh, talking about, I believe it was the introductory episode, that that there's two concepts when we deal with people in life. We can either treat people like checkers or we treat them like chess pieces. If we treat people like checkers, it's this idea that we treat everybody equally the same. That how and and really what comes back to is we treat people how we want to be treated. It's the reverse, I guess, of the the kind of the golden rule: treat others as you want to be treated yourself. So if you want people to treat you well, then you treat other people well. But what happens when you honestly believe you're doing right by somebody, and you really have good intentions, but it falls flat, and you think, well, well, that's what I would want. I would want a gift, or I want to be greeted, or I would want somebody to pay attention to me, but it, it fell flat. It didn't have the intended effect. It's because the truth is, in our relationships, God made us all vastly, vastly different than one another. Now, we do have some commonalities. We have some common ground that we share with each other, but the truth is we're all totally different. We have different experiences. We have different DNA. We have different relationships and different environments we've grown up, and we have different goals and aspirations. We have different hurts and heartaches, and so when we take all those things into account and look at a person, everybody has a different makeup, a different mixture, but there are some things we can look for to be able to pinpoint to grow and to increase in our relationships. So this first area, how do people want to be treated? You've got the four personalities, your controller, you've got your fun person, you've got your perfect person, and then your peace person. And so each one of these people wants something out of their relationships, and in general, they want out of life. For this first uh, part, 
uh, we'll talk about, first of all, the controller. What do they want? The controller wants gratitude. They want gratitude. They want appreciation for what they've done for other people in their lives. So for the controller, if you're uh, dealing with somebody who constantly will do things maybe that you haven't asked them to do for you, and there's always that lingering, kind of like the bellhop standing at the door um, of your hotel room, you know, there's that scene from uh, Home Alone 2 with uh, Macaulay Culkin and Rob Schneider, and he's the bellman, and he's standing at the door, and he's kind of like rubbing his fingers together, and kind of like, hey, I, you know, are you going to give me a tip? And so Macaulay Culkin turns, and he takes his bubble gum out of his mouth and puts it in the guy's you know, white-gloved hand. And it's kind of like, that's not what I was expecting. But that's kind of how, how sometimes it happens in life. When we have people who are very domineering and very controlling, possibly uh, a boss or a controlling parent or somebody that's a friend that means well and they do something, but it totally falls flat for you and me. And we're kind of like, well, thanks, I guess. And it's not at all the response that they wanted. What's interesting is for these controllers, they want to get stuff done. They want to do things. And in their pursuit of doing things, sometimes they don't take into account uh, our opinion or feelings or desires or wants. And so in that process, they may do something and they get it done, and it may it may help. But in the end, they don't get what they want. You don't get what you want. And what they're looking for is simply if people would just be thankful and be grateful. And so again, even with like uh, Gary Chapman, his book on the five love languages, for these people, gratitude can be expressed in letters of, uh, you know, just writing thank you notes that can be a, a verbal um, speaking to somebody, words of encouragement. Hey, thanks so much for what you've done. It could be uh, some people I know, uh, just quality time that they know they're appreciated. They know that they are res- uh, respected. They know that they're, uh, people are grateful for them when they spend time with them. And then uh, think about uh, people that just want to pat on the back or handshake. Hey, uh, thanks so much for what you did. And even people that do things because they want something like a gift in return. So if you've ever uh, read Gary Chapman's book, it's a fantastic book. It's great concepts in there. But with the controller, it's this sense of I want to be uh, thanked for what I'm doing. Uh, I want, uh, if you will, maybe appreciation for what I've done. The problem that we find is is that sometimes they're going to do things that we don't want, and sometimes these people that say, well, I want you to thank me for it, we really resent that, and we're going to get that into the, into the next part, that our natural reaction is just, it doesn't connect. There's such a disconnect there. We find them for the second uh, personality when it comes to what do they want. The next personality is the fun person. They want attention. They want people to notice them. And so this is going to be, it's just, you just pull up your Facebook feed and look on Facebook or Instagram. You're going to find people that you're, you're people who are constantly taking selfies, that there's a sense of, hey, look at me, here I am, constantly changing their Facebook cover. And, and, and to some degree, and you got to read this and use some discernment, some people are, are well-meaning, they don't mean anything by it, but you got you got to give me this, that people want attention. And people that are maybe texting you constantly, using lots of emojis, people that are very dramatic. Um, your kids, kids, I think all kids have this to some degree, and then eventually some kids grow out of it and some, some don't, but but they want attention. I shared this story um, with my church just a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about people that want attention. We were going through a drive through at a McDonald's, and I come up to the screen to give my order, and, and they're, you can kind of tell that it's a young kid, and they're kind of happy and you know happy-go-lucky. And uh, just like joking around a little bit, and so we pull around to the to the window to make the payment, 
as I pull up, they're like, they're kind of like dancing and doing like uh, Saturday Night Fever, disco, you know, in their little uh, um, window there. And uh, I'm trying not to look at them because it's almost awkward. You know, it's like when somebody really wants attention and they're about to light themselves on fire, it's almost like you, you can't help yourself to look at them, but you don't want to because, you know, you don't want to give them the satisfaction of realizing that they have your attention. You don't want to give people what they want. And so the kid kept like, he just kept like dancing around and doing crazy stuff. And it was just totally abnormal. And so finally I was like, well, I, I better just like, we, I got to pay him. And, and he wouldn't open the window, which was weird too. Now thinking about it, like he didn't open the window right away. I guess it was like this like reverse hostage situation where I won't open the window and take your money until you pay attention to me. So anyway, I roll my window down and he's still dancing. And finally he opens up the window and I look at him and I say like, hey, looks like you're having a great time today. And I guess maybe I like offended him a little bit because then he like chilled out and stopped. And I said, no, no, like you're fine. I can tell you got a fun personality. I kind of felt bad because I kind of put him down, but he took my money and like the rest is history. But people that want attention, if you are not a dramatic person, if you don't like like the whole attention thing, you're going to struggle with this, trying to deal with people who desperately want attention. If you like to get attention, you may enjoy these people because the birds of a feather flock together. Or you could also feel frustrated with them because you get it, you see it, and and you know the drill. It takes one to know one, and you're kind of in competition with them. So depending on where you're at and the strength of your personality or your maturity or growth in life, you may see this as, boy, they just want attention, and I don't want to give it to them, and it's just so frustrating because you feel like they're trying to manipulate you in this desire for attention. So that's the fun person. The P, a perfect person they want praise. They're the idealist in life. They want praise for what they do. They will do things. They will uh, just kind of like the controller does things and wants, um, wants gratitude, wants thankfulness and appreciation. Well, the praise person, they want a sense of approval. Uh, they want this sense of praise for what they're doing. And so they're going to do stuff and they're going to want to try to elicit from you some kind of response of praise. And so they'll they'll make something or bake something or create something or they'll do something and and they'll kind of just kind of like uh you know put their hands behind their back and maybe they'll they'll kind of like wring their hands a little bit and they'll say so like what did what did you think about the song I sang or so how do you feel about or whatever you fill in the blank. And your initial reaction is like, well, I've seen better. I've tasted better. Uh, you, you missed a spot there in your painting or whatever it might be. And you're not trying to make it personal, but they take everything personally and they get their feelings hurt and they can't handle criticism and they get offended so easily because what they really are looking for, they should say to you, hey, I really want to be praised. I really feel like I struggle with insecurity issues and, and, uh, and a sense of self-worth and I feel very low self-esteem. And so I need you to approve of me and pat me on the back and, and praise me for what I'm doing. And it's so difficult because they'll constantly be bringing new creations and new ideas. And if you criticize them, they're going to it'll just totally deflate them. And that's what we'll talk about. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll talk about these people want to be praised. They want to be stroked. They want to be uh, applauded for what they're doing. Then the peace person, what do they want? They want respect. They want to be treated and respected for who they are and for basically how they view life. They want to basically be respected for showing up. They want to be respected for um, you know, having their opinion count, and they'll share their opinion, and, 
And while they're attempting to keep peace and keep things calm, these people also are kind of like the peace, uh, the perfect person, this peace person. They can get offended sometimes if they get pushed too far because what they want is they want respect. They want to be uh, um, respected for their opinion, their advice. And so that takes us then to the second key area of developing and strengthening our relationships. And that area is how do we uh, want to treat these people? How do we want to treat? So it's how, uh, first section is how people want to be treated. And then the second area is how do we, though, naturally want to treat them, though, which doesn't line up with the first area. How do we naturally want to treat a controller? They want gratitude and we resent them. We treat them with resentment. We don't want them to do things for us. And when they do things, it's it's kind of like they're manipulating us and coercing us into being thankful. It's like instead of having our own freedom of choice to choose to be thankful or to choose to pray uh to to give gratitude or or to praise them for, you know, hey, you did a great job in, in this situation. I appreciate it uh, from you. They have coerced us and we find ourselves resenting them. And so there'll be maybe some target fixation on their end, but for us, we're like, hey, I, I didn't ask for it. And I, I don't want it, and so we begin to resent them. And that resentment then, it'll develop into these other key areas we'll talk about in just a minute. For the fun person, the tendency, the desire is just like I told that story, we want to ignore them. We want to look the other way. We don't want to give them the satisfaction of, I have control in that I got your attention. And the difficulty here is that that when we ignore, it just annies up, and, and depending on the person, it'll just ramp up their desire for more attention. So they might go and do things, no longer things that are good and worthy of attention, but maybe they'll pursue things that are not good, things that are negative ways to getting attention. Then we find the third uh, personality type, the perfect person, the idealist, our tendency is to criticize them. We got into that just a little bit earlier that we want to criticize them because, and here's here's the key here, idealist and perfect people who have a great eye for detail, it takes one to know one. They really have a capacity to be precise and pick things apart, and, and that's the, their God-given ability is with this incredible eye for detail. And so when they are proofreading something or they're doing something and they can have this precision, but in that ability to have precision they can come across as being very, very critical and very condescending at times. And the struggle is, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. They are very critical of people, but then when people give input into their life and people say, hey, this is what I think about what you did, or here's here's my thoughts, they say, well, I, I don't really want that criticism. I want to be praised. I want your approval. I don't want criticism. And so it can cause so much conflict in relationships because the perfectionist, the perfect person, they want praise, but they end up getting criticized, and then they, in turn, they criticize other people, and it's just this cycle that goes on and on and on. Then we have the fourth personality. What uh, The way we want to treat the peacekeeper is we simply want to disregard them. They're the person maybe that's kind of like the tag-along. They come, and they uh, keep peace, and so maybe they're not really outgoing. They're not very confrontational, and so they just hang in there, and sometimes our tendency, the way we want to treat them is... Well, they don't really hold any material um, value. They don't bring anything to the table. They're just listening. They're just internalizing and thinking. And this is a major misstep on our part because many times these peacekeepers are very, very introspective, deep thinkers. 
they will see things that we won't be able to see. And if you're not a peacekeeper, if you're just a, you know, a, dri- a hard driver pushing ahead, these people will have some insights, but our tendency, our ten- uh, temptation is to disregard them and not take into mind their thoughts, their opinions, or their advice. So the, those are the first two key areas, what people want, how they want to be treated. The second key area is how we want to treat people. So when, when people don't get what they want, and instead they get how we want to treat them, there's this major disconnect. So what happens is it develops into our third key area, which is what people will settle for. And what they'll settle for, it's truly this, this area that we plateau and things don't go well. They kind of just settle in, and we find ourselves getting to the point where our relationships aren't going anywhere. They're not going forward, They're, and the tendency then will be that they'll, they'll just begin to slide backward. The other problem with this area is when, when our relationships aren't growing and they're not healthy and vibrant, all it takes is just for this buildup, this plateau, this buildup of negativity, of dealing with being being mistreated, and eventually this is where your divorces happen. This is where people quit their job. This is where people leave the church. This is where friendships break down because they just settled for a certain kind of treatment and we give it to some degree until neither of us can take it anymore. And eventually the, the, the stress on the relationship is way too much and it just it kills the relationship. So here are some signs to look for in your relationships when you've just settled and when they've settled. For the controller in this third key area, the controller will settle for compliance. If they can't get gratitude or appreciation and the way we're treating them is resentful, then they'll they'll ante up and they'll demand then instead of getting gratitude they'll demand compliance just listen to me and just do do what i say this is the person who will just get get kind of rammy a little bit and say listen enough's enough i don't care what you think but just do what i say this is the boss who's been pushed to their limit they don't want any more input they're tired of you being disrespectful or back talk or not going along and they just just do what i say this is the parent who just gets flustered with their kid and says okay enough's enough Stop, stop complaining, just do what I say. And so what happens is they put in more boundaries. They put in more, um, more um, points of, of criticism and checks and balances and more rules. And I, I guess that's really what it is. They put in more rules and regulations. Uh, this is the boss that puts in more policies because they want everybody to be in step with the company. Uh, this is where the parents make more rules and and they're making rules up as they go. And the child breaks one rule and then the parent makes another rule. Well, I didn't realize that was a rule. Well, it is now. That's the kind of what happens here when compliance is being demanded. For the fun person, for them, when they can't get a positive attention and positive connection with people, when we ignore them then as our natural response, they will go to the point where to the to the incessant, maybe even negative attention where they'll do things even to try to elicit some kind of uh, of just a, a glance their way. This negative attention from the fun people, they're going to do things that uh, if you, you look on social media or the news and you see somebody and you sit back and you scratch your head and you think, what in the world? Why are they doing that? You're guaranteed probably, probably they're looking for just attention. They want attention. They want to be loved. They want to be noticed. And so even negative attention will garner and get them what they want at the cost of maybe their reputation and their testimony of even uh, friendships, possibly. Even at the cost of their job, they'll get the attention that they want because it's, it's negative attention, but it's attention nonetheless. For the idealist, 
they want to be praised, they want to be approved. What we give them is criticism, and these people, eventually, once their their work is criticized enough, and once what they do has been criticized and criticized and criticized, they're going to simply stop asking. They're going to stop engaging. They're going to stop um, asking for insight and input. They're going to stop asking you what you think about what they're doing, and they will isolate. They'll settle for isolation, is what the perfectionist, the idealist, will result uh, uh, resort to. It's isolation, and it gets really unhealthy at this point for the relationship. This is the person who pulls away from maybe you had a friend that would call you on a regular basis and check in with you, or they would ask your opinion a lot, and you just you kind of you kind of got tired of trying to stroke them and try to help them and try to help the relationship, and so uh, you kind of stopped answering their calls and you stopped encouraging and engaging and maybe you criticized and you just figured, hey. Uh, we're friends, and so I can just kind of let you have it. And in the criticism, it ended up being mean. And so now that person, they isolate themselves from you. They isolate themselves from other people, and they get to a really unhealthy place. This isolation can lead to depression, to discouragement, even to possibly uh, suicidal thoughts. And for these people, as we talked about in this uh, episode number two, they need hope. And they need to move their vehicle of their their train. They want to move it forward. And if they have no hope and they begin to isolate from people, they'll turn in on themselves and they'll really self-destruct. And that's if you see somebody in your life and they're self-destructing, you can you can watch. I guarantee you, you can watch the path. They wanted praise, they wanted people to approve of them. They got criticized, 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 criticized. And basically it was, I can't do anything right. And so they're gonna isolate. And then eventually, we'll find what happens when when a person comes to the end of themselves with isolation. And then last of all, what uh, in this key area of what people will settle for is the peacekeeper. When they can't get respect for who they are, for their advice, when they are disregarded, uh, many times for the peacekeeper, they will settle then for pity. Because they're not an outgoer, they're not a fighter, they may be just kind of a person that becomes a victim and not uh, not even like the perfectionist would be like a flight you know they're they're going to run they're going to isolate but for the peacekeeper they might settle for pity uh and becoming a victim to some degree and it's so it's so sad to see these situations uh play out the way they do because for the peace person where they're healthy and when they're on their game they are a force to be reckoned with in that they can they can bring bring peace between two uh, competing, fighting forces, but if their their personality isn't developed and they're not very mature, they're going to to look to be pitied. And so they might share things like, hey, life's just really hard right now for me, and all they want is somebody to, to have empathy for them, somebody just to connect with them and relate to them, and they'll, they'll, they'll want pity. The problem is, uh, for many people, the controller doesn't want to give them pity because it's like enabling. The perfectionist says, well, I'm not going to give you pity because I've got my own issues to take care of, and I figured out my stuff, and I pulled up by the bootstraps. Uh, The attention person says, well, you're going to compete for attention. If people pity you, they're going to pay attention to you. Well, I'm not going to share that, so I'm not going to get into your whole thing. And so you can see where this is all going. This just gets more and more devolved, more and more difficult to deal with, to handle. And so as these relationships go from what people want to what we want to give to them, to what they'll settle for, it brings us to this last key area, and that is the reality of these relationships. When they go unchecked, how do these relationships end up? Well, for the controller, what ends up is we rebel against them. This is where the the abusive husband or or 
uh, the abusive wife situation where we say, okay, enough's enough. I'm not going to put up with the nagging or the criticism uh, anymore, and I'm going to leave you. It's the child who says, I'm going to put up with this until I can move out of the house. And when I move out of the house, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. This is the person who leaves the boss and says, you know what? I quit. I'm done working here. There is a sense of rebelling against everything that controllers stand for. The, the problem with this issue is that everything in life, anytime then, if, if you have had a strong controller in your past, you're going to really struggle to trust authority and people who are controllers in the future because you're going to look at them with this baggage in mind of, can I trust them? Are they going to try to manipulate me? Are they going to try to do things for me to, to garner gratitude from me and manipulate me in the process and basically, uh, for lack of a better term, prostitute and exploit me? Or what I can give to them because they they want uh, they want re- uh, gratitude, and so there's this this rebellion, this repulsion uh, from the controllers. Then we go to uh, the fun person. When a fun person, when they can't get the attention they want, they get ignored, and they even try with negative attention when they just will not get any attention. It's kind of like uh, like a wounded little animal or like a little child who basically they cry and cry and cry for attention, and eventually they just stop crying. And this this kind of breaks my heart. It gets it's such a sad indictment against us and in our society and our situations when people stop crying out for help or for attention, and they just are totally they just suppress it. And this is where people get very broken. Where people that once had joy and were so lovable and just had brightness in their eyes, when the light goes out of their eyes, you know that that this person they've been broken and they've suppressed the fun. And so the, the reality of the relationship is um, the person who's fun, they suppress the fun, we suppress them, and unless they they really um, uh, stop with the antics as we see them, it, it really develops unhealthy relationships. And again, it's just a disconnection. So we disconnect from the controller, the fun person disconnects from us. With the um, idealist, with the perfectionist, the reality of their relationships then is there's just this immense amount of shame. And what happens is they go, I want to be praised and approved. What I get is criticized. Then I isolate. And then there's this, in the isolation, there's this immense amount of shame that person's thinking with, with this shame is I'm just not good enough. There's shame and guilt, and, and it sounds crazy. And the issues could be, could be a massive, like legitimate issues that you and I would look at and we go, yeah, we get that. Or they could be just small, tiny issues, and we think, well, listen, you're just taking it too personal. There's nothing to, be, to, to cry over. Don't cry over spilled milk is kind of the attitude. But for your perfectionist, if they can't get praise, and they get criticized, and they isolate, in that isolation, what will be developed and cultivated is a shame for who they are, for what they stand for. And you can just see this process, this cycle going, going on and on and on, and it gets so unhealthy. To the point where these people, if they have no hope, uh, many times in some of these circumstances, many times the resulting thought is, I need to take my life. If I can't live, if I can't be who I am, if I can't do things just right, then where's the worth? And so these people get to the point where they become so despondent and depressed and discouraged that I just need to take my life. They have no hope. And then that last personality in this this, uh, key area is the peacekeeper. 
if they can't get respect, if they end up getting, being disregarded and they want pity, these people may devolve into a sense of where they'll just be abused, where uh, the reality is we will abuse these people because they don't stand up for themselves or they don't speak their intentions very clearly. And the abuse could be um, as as far-reaching the extreme of physical abuse to uh, more commonly and more widespread uh, in our relationships is that of just mental or... or uh, verbal abuse or even emotional abuse, where we take advantage of these people because um, they look look to us for pity and they want to get from us respect. And it's just this flip-flop of, of relationships and a flip-flop of strengths and values and saying people that were once respected and regarded as peacekeepers and, and as I mentioned, a force to be reckoned with, are now people that we misuse and abuse. And so as you see, we go through each of these key categories, and we find with each one of these, it, it just goes down, down, further and further and further until our relationships, our relationships get extremely unhealthy. And so what happens is when we get to that fourth key area of the reality of our relationships, what's the answer? Well, the answer is to go back to that first key area. If, if you're going to have healthy relationships, you have to deal with people as God has wired them and created them. And if you say, but they're not going to change well, you're probably right. It very well may be that they're not going to change, but you have a choice. Either you disconnect and reject them, and you move on, you get into another marriage, you find a different workplace, um, you you isolate from your family, you are estranged from your kids, you are isolated and alone, or you just connect and, dis- and quick release with friendships, and you re- never really have any deep relationships. You can do that, but your emotional... F- uh, even even physical and spiritual health is going to struggle. Or you can go back around and say, okay, enough's enough. I've gone through all these messes of relationships, and now here's what I'm going to do. For the person who I sense is a controller in my life, I'm going to show them gratitude. Even though, even though I feel like it's a violation of who I am, because this is what God has called us to love people. What does it mean to love people really practically? We just, a lot of times as a pastor, I'll preach, love God, love people. That's what the Bible says. But how do you really love somebody? Well, you love somebody when you're thankful for them, when you show gratitude toward them. How do you show love towards somebody that needs attention? Well, you show them attention. You acknowledge them. When you walk into a room and they say hello, you wave back to them. But how many times have we, even in our insecurity, not waved at somebody or or not engaged somebody because we're fearful of them? I got my hand up. I've been there. I've done it. What about the people that want praise, where they're looking to be encouraged? And with each one of these things, we, ha- we can work at these things. And maybe you say, well, I'm not good at praising other people. What's something that we can work on? We can grow in that area. You can use your strength and your ability. And, and I believe with all my heart, however God has wired you, if you're a controller or a, a fun person or a peace person or a perfect person, you can use that strength to engage people on their ground in there, as we talked about in episode number two, in their country. And so for you, as a perfect person, you can uh, uh, have the capacity to be grateful and show appreciation to somebody that has done something for you and really collaborate with them. If you're a fun person, you can show respect and get advice and help and engage somebody because when you respect the peace person, guess what the peace person gives to you? They give you their attention. When you thank the controller in your life and you show gratitude for them, uh, then you'll find that there's this exchange of this trust then. And when you do something as a perfectionist, that they'll say, you know what, great job, and they'll praise you for it. 
Now, it, it's not going to happen right away because this takes so much time because truly we find ourselves, I'm waiting for somebody else to take the first step. I'm waiting for somebody else to make the first move. But you have to be, whoever's the more mature person in the relationship, make the move. And you say, but I don't want to make the move. Well, if you want to have a relationship that's healthy, if you want to have a marriage that's healthy, healthy, if you want to have a, a kids, a, a relationship with your kids that's healthy, to take the first step. You say, but but I don't want to. Well, you don't you don't have to. Uh, this is something to think about and to process. Maybe you've had friendships and you say, but I've tried and it's just not going anywhere. Well, the Bible talks about in Romans chapter twelve that as much lies within you, live peaceably with all men, to make your relationships work to the best that you can. So if you're in a circumstance right now that a relationship is just kind of on the fence and you're finding yourself, I don't know, this may not go somewhere healthy, then you can implement these these keys and understanding this is where my relationship's going, but this is how I can keep it from going there. And you go back to that first key area, give gratitude, give attention, give praise, give respect, and sow the seeds. That's basically, that's the water that sows, that, that waters the seeds of love that you're trying to work Maybe you've had relationships that haven't gone well in your past, and and they've they've died off, and it's just not working anymore. God allows people to come in and out of lives for a time, and the Bible talks about uh, there's a time and a season for everything. And so there may be some relationships that maybe have come to mind, but you are out of touch with the people. Um, as God lays it on your heart, I truly believe, and God's done this in my own heart, that as, as God lays it on your heart and, and gives you opportunity, if it arises, yeah, talk to them. Make the relationship right. You don't have to go on vacation with them. You don't have to get them a Christmas present. But but if you can make the relationship right, then go for it. Do that. And the Bible encourages that. God encourages that. But if it's somebody that's maybe passed away or somebody that God has taken out of your life and you sit and you say, well, I'm struggling with maybe some guilt that I had a relationship that didn't go well, it went awry. But my encouragement to you would be is to bring it before God and say, God, here's this relationship that didn't go well, and I don't want to repeat that again that make a decision from this day forward and make it every day going forward. I'm going to show people gratitude. I'm going to give them attention. I'm going to praise them, and I'm re- going to respect them to make that choice and to, to, to give people what God has called you to give them, to give them love. And even though you feel, but that's what they want, I'm just giving into it. You're going to have to make a choice. Either you're going to have mediocre relationships that aren't going to work well, or you're going to have really healthy relationships where you value and you respect and you love people, and you treat them not as you want to be treated, not as you you think they should be treated, but you treat them as God has wired them and as they want to be treated. Thanks so much for listening to this episode today. This is uh, this is it for the episode. I'm hoping uh, that this was some encouragement and some insight for you to be able to really understand, boy, this makes sense. Uh, give me some feedback. Let me know. If this has helped you, let me know if you've seen uh, these examples in your own life. You can email me at info at mattmanny.com, info at mattmanny.com. Again, I'd love for you to be able to leave uh, ratings and reviews for us and subscribe to the podcast. You can get it delivered directly to your podcast app on your phone, uh, on your digital device, and then leave a rating and a review so we can get this podcast before as many uh, people as possible to be an encouragement and to be a help so that they can leverage their past, they can uh, fulfill their purpose, and unmask their potential. Thanks so much for listening. In the next episode, we're going to jump into, we're going to take kind of a turn away from talking about the personality stuff. We're going to dive into how do you connect to Jesus? How in the world do you connect to somebody that you cannot see? 
We've got the Bible, and we know the, the Bible school answers are prayer and the Bible. That's what the Christians are supposed to do. But what exactly does that look like? And how do you go through the motions? And what if you don't like to write? And what if you don't like to read? And what if you struggle with those areas? I'm going to give you some great tips and some help on how to have a, a daily devotional time and how journaling, even if you don't like it, I'm going to give you some tips on how to do it. And if, if you want to substitute for journaling, we'll have some tips for that in this next episode, number three. Thanks so much for listening. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I might, uh, hope our time here has been an encouragement to you and to be able to help you continue moving on in understanding yourself, your relationships, and really understanding who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you to encourage you and how much he loves you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. Join us next time for more great content that will help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential.